Hey friends, you're listening to Go Home Bob or You're Drunk, an irreverent media podcast. First Corinthians warned you about the women with a loud mouth, and this podcast is just that. Here at the Speaking in Church podcast, we talk all about the regular people and the things that regularly happen to them in the evangelical church. It's a podcast about change, it's a podcast about seeking moral high ground, and it's a podcast for people who are just trying to deconstruct on the safe side. You can listen wherever you get your podcast, and if you want to be a guest, yes, you, regular person, you can be a guest on the Speaking in Church podcast. If you want to come on, just let us know. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Go Home Bible. You're drunk. It is a new year. And I'm not going to say new you. I'm just, it is a new year. And it is 2022. And let's just have the year we're going to have. <laughs> Call it good. So this is the uh, podcast where we talk about the Bible with sober eyes, I guess, <laughs> and not drunk on evangelicalism. But uh drunk on other spirits. Yeah, we just check it out. We open up our crusty old Bibles and we see if there's anything of value in there. And sometimes we're pleasantly surprised and other times we're horrified. But that's what this podcast is. My name is Justin. I have a seminary degree, so I do kind of know what I'm talking about. I also have 10 years of ministry experience. So I know, I know fundamentalist evangelicals more than I would like. My delightful co-host from across the country is here and she would also like to welcome you to this year that we're going to have. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Whatever, whatever this year ends up being. Wow. No one knows. Yeah. Anyway. Hi, I'm Tori. I grew up fundamentalist Christian and wasn't allowed to attend school, but I did memorize large portions of the Bible. So I got that as an alternative to a real education. <laughs> Every time I say that on Twitter, people get very mad at me. <laughs> I'm like, I'm getting ratioed right now. Um, so anyway, I went to Bible school, dropped out. I sucked at it. I attended one of the most toxic churches in the entire fucking country, actually. And now I'm an atheist, which I'm sure you're shocked to hear. So doing this podcast because it's kind of cathartic. It is. It is a sweet catharsis. Catharsis. <laughs> I can't even talk. I'm I'm already one beer in, folks. We talked for a long time before this. Did. We did. I, I'm out. So, and it was a Scottish ale, which was delightful. Went very well with my gingerbread cookie that my children made. Um, uh, it was actually so a nin- it was a ninja bread cookie. Um, oh, nice! It was, so it was like a little nice. fighting little ninja guy. Um, That's rad. So it was lovely, well frosted, went perfect with that ale. But now I'm feeling. Oh my gosh! Yeah, quite excited Cook- about life. Cookies, cookies, and beer. I'm like, I don't even really like beer, but like that shit is good together. <laughs> It is. There are some strange combos. Yes. But that are just wonderful. Wonderful that, little snacks. That is, that is one of them for sure. Mm-hmm. So yeah. how was your how are your holidays, Tori? The holiday that we had, formerly known as Saturnalia. <laughs> yeah. So my holidays. Well, I got to spend time with my kids, 
which is always the fucking best. And we don't get a lot of snow here in Portland. So the day after Christmas, I woke up because one of my children screamed, it's snowing. So it's a very big deal here. Like not a normal thing at all for us to get snow. Yeah. So we had, we had, we had some good times and like played some games and got to see a little bit of family, you know, not too much, not the unvaccinated ones. Sorry. Um, and (laughs) yeah, I mean, it was, it was nice. I don't really like, I don't really like, I don't even really like the word Christmas anymore, but I do have a pagan tree lit up in my house. So there was no, there was no Jesus bits for me because I'm very over, very over Jesus. (laughs) Yeah. We, we covered Jesus a lot on our Christmas podcasts and I was done. Bye. I'm this guy. Just man. <laughs> no. Okay. We're finished. Uh, yeah. We're this year it was, I think it's just because the further I get from evangelicalism, the weirder it seems. Yes. But it it did feel very much like Jesus is being crammed into this holiday and he doesn't even want to be there. <laughs> like it it I don't know, it just felt that way, you know. You know, we, we, giving gifts is wonderful. Like all these wonderful traditions are built up around this holiday. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, there is just this random Christian person that's like, wait, 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 this is about Jesus. <laughs> like, oh, oh, okay, thanks. Are you sure? Are you sure about that Let's one? Let's get back to our pagan trees and our pagan caroling and our yeah. pagan greenery. I'm, 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 I'm so here for the pagan trees. How was your Christmas? Or uh, whatever that holiday is. Whatever that holiday is. Yeah, it was good. We we actually celebrated Yule with our kids. My one daughter is, is very into paganism. Love she, this. On her own. Like, I have not pressured her. I have not, you know, if she wants to be an evangelical Christian, that is, she is free to do so if she wants. If she wants to be an atheist, anything in between, I don't care. I care that she loves people and I care that she's a good person and that she's happy, but she's been very interested in paganism lately. She, you know, we'll pass by signs. It was funny. We passed by a sign that said Jesus saves. And she, Mm. she's like, well, what about the people that don't believe in Jesus? We're like, well, you know, there are some people that think that everyone needs to believe in Jesus. And she's like, well, okay, I guess. (laughs) Just completely foreign concept to her. So she wanted to celebrate Yule. Of course, I don't know how to celebrate Yule. I'm not a pagan. So I'm like Googling shit. So we just, you know, we did we did like Christmas stuff because Santa came, quote unquote. Right. Whatever, yes. Uh, on, on that Never. night because it was ahead of our family. We try to hmm. do that. I want to get the first gift giving in before family does. That's so fair. That means that means we do the Santa thing. Sure. You know, a week ahead of time, then okay. it's just special enough that Santa makes a special trip. So we did a Yule thing. We like lit a candle. We said it. We I got a like a children's storybook called The Shortest Day. I forget who wrote it. It's really cute. It's called The Shortest Day. It's really cute. It's just I'm gonna like have little, to look this up. Art. It's like a poem just about the shortest day. Yeah. You know, it's a very non-denominational solstice <laughs> nice. children's book. Uh, and then we like sliced up oranges and we dried them out to make like mm-hmm. little suns and we like hung them up in the windows. That's all we did. Yeah. But she loved that. And you know, whatever, whatever. I don't. That's rad. That was, that was, and we saw family too. So it wasn't, you know, mm-hmm. and my one daughter, she wears like my mom got me this like gold cross chain necklace and like, when I was 18 or something. Right. And <laughs> Because those one, were cool then. They were cool then. And my five-year-old found it one day, and now she wears it all the time. 
Oh, just because it's okay. fun. Like it's not. Right. She doesn't right. care. Right. Her great grandma saw that, and she got like the whole gospel presentation. Oh boy! Like, at was, five? At like five, you know. That reminds us of Jesus, who died for our sins Rock. on the cross. The Bible is not appropriate for children. I will never stop saying this. We had a little talk about that. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, because she looked scared. But I think she's just scared of old people generally. Okay. Well, so she's like, no, I wasn't scared at all. I was like, okay, well, if you ever get scared, please tell. That's also valid. Yes. Completely valid. So that's what we did. Dig it. I love that. That's really, that's a lot of fun. I might reverse columbus that shit steal some yule from y'all yeah Yeah. you can feel free to appropriate any european tradition you want (laughs) as is your right i'm like you motherfuckers owe me yeah for sure (laughs) oh oh my gosh so yeah yeah, so speaking of appropriating traditions Mm. white evangelicals have been up to a lot the last couple weeks and we're not you're never not busy they are oh my goodness like yeah i thought they would have given us they would have taken a break because they knew we weren't going to cover them for a couple of weeks, but no, nope. they kept going. We can't possibly cover it all. But there was something interesting. Tori, you brought it up, an Atlantic article about Don Jr., old Don Jr. Who I think uh, this is the first time we have ever mentioned that person on this show. I think so. Because, you know. Because he's not interesting. He isn't interesting, but he... You know, he's real popular in MAGA land, as they say. You know, the son of the chosen one, I suppose, would Mm. be rather popular. Yeah. And I think he is he is on the bleeding edge of what I think are some shifts in the way that white evangelicals are going to be presenting the gospel. And yes, he more or less said that the teachings of Jesus really haven't gotten us anywhere. You know, this whole turning the other cheek thing and mercy and kindness you know like we don't rule the world you can't rule the world with that stuff right see this is this is like i have so many questions just right off the bat like first of all who the hell is us and like secondly like what do you mean hasn't gotten us anything like you have the biggest military in the world by a factor of eight like you have the largest GDP on the planet i don't know to china take over i can't remember well anyway we don't we doesn't include everyone in the united states Fair. It valid. doesn't even include the United States. It's only that we is not. Yes, correct. We is you know a very small set of people, and like you know white evangelicals basically who don't have enough power, like yeah. politically, culturally, socially. Yeah. And when and when they did have all the power, all they did was tell people not to get vaccinated like i don't i don't really know like you're not really using it when when we do give it to you when you take it they had every lever of power and they barely passed a tax cut it's like what are you guys doing like they absolutely would have won again if it hadn't been for a global pandemic yeah (laughs) absolutely or if they wouldn't have fumbled the ball on the pandemic if they would have done anything trump checks Baby, I was saying this the whole time. I'm like, if he starts writing people checks, like it's over. Like he's going to be president for the until he dies. Yep. Like for some reason that wasn't an option. So okay. Yeah. So yeah, Don Jr. He says, right, we've turned the other cheek, and I understand sort of the biblical reference. I understand the mentality, but it's gotten us nothing. Okay, it's gotten us nothing. While we've ceded ground, 
in every major institution in our country. I've I've never seen a Republican turn the other cheek. <laughs> ever. First of all. I've not seen a white Christian turn the other cheek ever. Valid. Yeah. Um, very fair. So I don't know what he's talking about, but <laughs> no, I'm fascinated. Stop. I mean, I wonder if this is, I wonder if this is about like, I wonder if this is kind of some, some projection of like feeling constrained by like the idea of like Christian ethics Mm -hmm. and needing to be, because clearly he's saying we need to get around this. We need to get around Christian ethics in order to accumulate more power. Yeah. Right. So I, I, I mean, I, I, I imagine he, he's just like, he's like, this hasn't gotten us anything. Like we can't, we can't, this isn't a free for all. Right. Like there are still some things that we have. And it's, it's, I don't like, clearly they're not turning the other cheek. Right. Like you said, like, that's not a thing that's happening, but I, I mean, I feel like maybe that's, that's kind it's kind of a filler for like some other lines that like they haven't crossed yet. I'm like, and again, I'm like, you seated ground in every major institution in the country. Like you're two thirds of the Supreme court. You're most of the Supreme Court. You basically run the Senate still. Yes. Somehow. Uh, well, that ends up being kind of irrelevant because in the next like 13 years, most people are going to live in like 15 states and they're going to run the Senate forever. Yep. But evangelicals, they want they want power and they needed they needed someone to they needed someone in a position of influence who I think wasn't a pastor to say this. And that's something that I did not realize. Like, I didn't think about it first because I've, I've, I've tweeted about this idea of like evangelicals are going to come out on stage and say like, Mm -hmm. Jesus was wrong. Like we don't do the Jesus thing. Right. Because functionally they don't, they do Paul when he's convenient and they do the old Testament when that's convenient. They do the worst parts of Paul. Yes. Like, you know, there are aspects of Paul that were incredibly progressive and good. Like, yes, you heard Justin say that on this podcast. They're not into those parts, though, They're not into those parts. Yeah, they, (laughs) the parts of Paul that can be taken in the worst possible light Mm -hmm. and used, you know, to appropriate power, those are the ones that they're like, oh, yeah, I like that. And yeah, and Jesus is problematic for them. Right. Yes, because Jesus, Jesus does actually kind of stand in the way of your accumulation of power. (laughs) Yeah. Like, and like even even white Jesus apparently is in the way. Yeah, even yeah, a completely whitewashed Jesus is still too namby pamby for them, mm-hmm. and and that mm-hmm. and you see that too even amongst pastors, you know, like like Mark Driscoll famously, but you know all of the Mark Driscoll clones that have happened over the years, mm-hmm. you know, making Jesus into this hyper masculine figure, right. right? But he was not. But they're like, oh, he worked with his hands. He's a carpenter. He's, you know, like he probably wasn't a carpenter. You know, he's he's a teacher. That man did not have a job. I'm no. sorry. His hands were not calloused. <laughs> and so, yeah, this this idea that, you know, he couldn't even carry across through town. He had to get somebody else to carry it for him. Ouch. <laughs> like Justin. Well, I'm just saying like. Too this, soon. <laughs> like, well, this just like hyper masculine ideal of Jesus. The guy who not compared it. himself not to a one. mother hen. <laughs> You know, oh, it's, just, it's not there. It's not even that I don't like that part of Jesus, you know, right. but it's just, not, it doesn't exist. Yeah. The hyper-masculine ideal doesn't exist. They can pull some from revelation. Like, oh, he's a warrior when he comes back. Like, well, when he was here, he was not, he was not, not at all. Not at all. 
And so Jesus was trans. Can I get a bumper sticker that says that? Yes. 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 <laughs> we need to write all these bumper sticker ideas down. We do need to write them all down. For those of you who maybe haven't listened to other other episodes, there we kind of joke that Jesus had XX sex chromosomes because he didn't have a dad. So because of that, like he only had a mom. Therefore, Jesus was trans. That's that's I'm 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 gonna die on that hill, frankly. Like yeah. I'm typing this down right now. Jesus was trans. And like, I think that's rad as fuck, personally. Yeah. Jesus and Adam. See, this is, this is, this is the, this is like the mirroring thing. What do they do where they're always like, like mirror, like Adam was foreshadowing of Jesus and Adam and Eve, like also had weird sex chromosomes because that's not how reproduction works. Yeah. <laughs> like random bones coming from random people. Yeah. Like they essentially had the same DNA. Right. Like that's not how that works. They were the same. They were the same person. Yeah. They were clones of each other. Like, would you have sex with your clone? This is a question that... You know, that ethically... Setting aside the ethical piece, yes. <laughs> like, when yeah. you factor in the ethical piece, no. <laughs> yeah, just like in a vacuum, if someone cloned vacuum? me, <laughs> I would give it a spin. But... <laughs> right, exactly. You're not going to You're not gonna not try. <laughs> like, I don't... If you've gone to this kind of... If you've gone to the trouble to clone right, me... Right, I'm making a whole... <laughs> A whole ass Tory because one I, was not enough. Just for the purpose of seeing if I would have sex with my clone, I'm going to honor that effort. You know what? Like this is see, these are the good parts of the Bible that they never told us as kids. Yeah, not at all. <laughs> anyway, we are we are big fans of trans Jesus. For those of you who have no context, yeah. that's all I was saying. <laughs> and apparently, we would both, in a moment, yeah. fuck, fuck ourselves. ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> bumper sticker for that one please yeah please don't we will have a store a merch store at some point that says we will fuck ourselves no not for that (laughs) but jesus was trans oh yes (laughs) okay i was like wait stop no No. rewind no there's probably some fan fiction out there but oh about us oh god yeah oh no please don't show me i don't want to know about it i googled us earlier we're fine so far so far so yeah as weird as that digression was the evangelicals are weirder, I think. I think Valid. they're gonna I think they're gonna dump even white Jesus. Yeah, I think they are sooner than I suspected. Right, right. That that was the thing. I'm like, I knew that this was coming and I've tweeted about it, but like I I thought it was gonna be several years still before mm-hmm. this was like a thing that was said. But yeah, no, we're we're there. Everything is in fast forward, apparently. Yeah, and I, I don't I I didn't research it a ton, but my guess is there hasn't been a lot of pushback. Don't um, saying that all of the pushback has been from the left. <laughs> like, wait, yeah, wait a, wait a second. Excuse me, sir. That's not how Jesus works. Yeah. All the like, atheists on not, the left are like, excuse like, me. That's not how your God works. <laughs> Point of order. That's not. Yeah. No, never mind. Yeah. No, I haven't seen any. I haven't seen any pushback on the right. But, you know, it's all, like I, I feel like this is kind of hard for the course mm-hmm. for for those guys. And yeah. This is where we are. This is where white evangelicalism is. And so, yeah, 2022 is going to be fucking weird, man. Yeah, it's going to be wild. Who even knows where this shit is going to go? Yeah. So, yeah, first first podcast of the year. They're dumping white Jesus. Like, where do you go from here? Yeah. Like, <laughs> what is going to happen? Oh, man. Oh. All right. Well, I think we need to refresh our beverages, and you probably do, too. So we are going to take a little break. 
And then we'll be back with the patron award and our story for the day, week, the day, the week. Night, morning, whatever. Whatever time you're listening to this. Okay. Your story. See you in a sec. Okay. Bye. First Corinthians warned you about the women with a loud mouth, and this podcast is just that. Here at the Speaking in Church podcast, we talk all about the regular people and the things that regularly happen to them in the evangelical church. It's a podcast about change. It's a podcast about seeking moral high ground. And it's a podcast for people who are just trying to deconstruct on the safe side. You can listen wherever you get your podcast, And if you want to be a guest, yes, you, regular person, you can be a guest on the Speaking in Church podcast. If you want to come on, just let us know. All right, we're back. Before we get any further, we did have a patron award that we wanted to give out. This is for Annalise, who is one of our, our newest youth pastors. Our army of youth pastors is growing. Love it. Um, so she's going to get a Bible verse in a moment. I also did want to shout out to Bill, who is a deacon, a new deacon. You know, the growing army of deacons is also very much appreciated. And we thank you so much for your support. Mm, uh, mm-hmm. but Annalise, we're going to give you a life verse. We're going to just flip open to a random page in the Holy Writ, and we're going to see what it says. And that's going to be your verse for eternity. Once you get once you get to heaven or hell, you know your choice. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna choose for you. Dealer's you choice. can take you can take this with you. Well, that that doesn't work. This is this is a information page about the Synoptic Gospels. Synoptic Gospels. Which ones are those again? Okay, here we go. This is from Jeremiah. Oh, boy. Jeremiah chapter 37 and verse 9. This is what the Lord says. Do not deceive yourselves thinking the Babylonians will surely leave us. They will not. And at least that is your verse. That's it. That's it. That's the tweet. So this is what the Lord says. Do not deceive yourselves thinking the Babylonians will surely leave us. They will not. But you know what? They had some, they had some banging parties. Like, yeah. So I feel like, I feel like maybe that's not as bad as, as Jeremiah thought, because he doesn't seem like the kind of guy who got invited to parties. No, he's like, they they, they don't leave. They just keep partying. (laughs) So yeah. Anyway, Annalise, hope you're into partying because yeah. You're going to be spending a lot of time in Babylon with the Babylonians, not in Babylon, but with, because, with people who know how to party really hard. Because they're not leaving. Because they, they have nowhere to go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so good. Thank you so much. Appreciate oh, all of your support. It's very, means a lot and helps us break even on the podcast, yeah. which is nice. Which is very, yeah, very nice. So we're going to jump into a story. We're going to jump into a story. And it's not a fun, it's well, it's not a fun story. We're of two minds about this. No, it's horrifying, actually. It is, but it didn't happen. Strangely popular. Strangely among a certain sect of Christians. (laughs) Well, it's in, I remember, and again, being taught as a child this story, which which, inappropriate for children. Yes, but this one's like, extra inappropriate for children yes i think in a, in a way that because of the way that it's taught because yes. it's taught is like this is a child yes so we're, we're talking about abraham sacrificing isaac it has a you know fascinating name in hebrew or, or i shouldn't say hebrew that the, the I, i'm going to mispronounce this the akida 
Akida. Is that like A K E I D A? Yeah, it's just like this, like what this, what they call it. The binding of Isaac, I think, is the like. Oh, right. I have heard that. So, yeah, so this is a. It's a doozy. It's it's a little bit of a doozy. It starts off just like right, right off the bat. God is like every single red flag emoji you can put in that tweet. Every single one. It's like, yeah. All the red flags. It's like God tested Abraham. Okay, first Mm. of all. Yeah. God, you are an abusive partner. Yeah. So, Tori, do you want to uh, tell tell the story, and then we can just kind of riff from there? Yeah, absolutely. So, I like I I was reading this earlier today, and it felt really weird because I'm like sitting in my house. It's completely quiet. I'm reading my Bible. I'm like having flashbacks, <laughs> like PTSD. Oh man! God damn it, Bible. No, it wasn't. I was just like, this is so weird. Like, why am I a person who does not believe? And this is literally how I'm spending my time. And I was like, I was going to highlight stuff. And I was like, I can't go back to that life. Like, I just, I can't, I've come so far. I can't start highlighting my Bible again. (laughs) Put the highlighter down, Tori. You're like, yeah, walk away. So after these things is what Genesis says. So it's Genesis 22, pretty much almost the whole chapter. It's just real weird. Start to finish. Doesn't make any sense. They're very different stories. The Bible needs an editor is really what it comes down to. (laughs) Maybe it would not be this long. So yeah, there's Abraham has a bunch of shit going on. He's got a bunch of drama because he's a drama queen from like the jump. Yeah. This dude has like got so much going on with all of the people. (laughs) Like pretending his sister, his wife is his sister, and then like she still gets married off to like Pharaoh. (laughs) And then he has to go Mm -hmm. like actually. Could you give her back? She is yeah. kind of my, she's my half sister. I'm like, bro. Okay. So yeah. anyway. His life is a series of unfortunate events that are entirely his fault. <laughs> yeah, like the dumpster is on fire, but you started the fire. So now you get to put it out. I don't know. Like this is your responsibility, bro. <laughs> Grow up. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. So anyway, in this one, God is like right from the jump decided to test Abraham after Abraham has been like, Frankly, a pretty good follower of Yahweh. Yeah. In my opinion. He he's circumcised himself at this point. Right. As a goddamn adult. Like, yeah. I don't know what the drugs were like back then, but I don't think it was that good. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and so God calls to Abraham, and Abraham's like, Yeah, what's up? And God's like, Okay, so uh, I need you to take your son up to this mountain and you need to offer him as a burnt offering. <laughs> On one of the mountains, of which I shall tell you, the ESV says. Mm-hmm. And interestingly, it doesn't it doesn't say who he's offering Isaac to, which I'm like, wait a second, that seems like a a detail that you might, I want to clarify that. There I were, need you there, to kill this kid, sacrifice him to, to someone a, to a to god, the unknown god, yeah, as they like to say in the Roman Empire. And so Abraham like doesn't have a conversation like th- this is weird, right? Like it, like with, 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 when God was like, I'm going to fucking destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. Yeah. Yeah. And Abraham's like, okay, but what if, what if there are 50 righteous people? Yeah. We right? got to negotiate God. We got to talk. We're going to have a conversation. Yes. And like here, nothing. He's just like, yep, let's do it. Don't like this kid. <laughs> yeah. Waited a hundred years for this one. I'll wait a hundred years for another one. <laughs> that's what the bible says is that abraham was like a hundred when isaac was born things are very unclear nobody knows what is happening as i said 
So it says that like literally Abraham got up early the next day, saddles his donkey, took two of his young men, like slaves, question mark, and his son Isaac. And he cut the wood for the burnt offering. And I'm like, this is the wrong order. You need to cut the wood first and then get your fucking donkey and then get your guys. (laughs) But whatever. Maybe they did things back then, clearly. And uh, yeah, so they just go on a walk and they walk for three days. And then Abraham leaves his two servant slave folks and is like, we'll be back. And like takes his kid. This is just for clarity. And this is actually a confusing point. But like, so ESV... Abraham calls Isaac the boy, right? But then there's also this little note that says it could mean boy, it could mean young man. And so in my head, I'm like, am I supposed to be imagining like an eight-year-old or am I supposed to be imagining like a 35-year-old man who could like whip his 100-year-old dad's ass quite easily? It it is ambiguous. And I'm like, "This this is distressing. So personally, I just have decided to go with the adult version because it's less traumatic for me. <laughs> Again, like this, it gets, it gets weirder. We'll come back to the adult version weirdness. Cause that like everything about it is weird. So Isaac's like, yeah, where, where, where's the, where's the lamb? And Abraham, I think lies and says, God will provide the lamb for the sacrifice. And like, that should have been a red flag for Isaac. He should have been like, yeah, no, I'm going to stay here. You can, you can handle this by yourself, pops. Like, I think you got this. I've seen this movie before. Right. I'm like, we know how this ends, but that's, that's not how it shakes out. And so they like go to the place that God told Abraham, which I'm like, at this point, like you were like, this man is clearly unwell. Like he is having visions. Like he's had some major heat stroke, like something, something very bizarre is going on that he's hearing voices. And then like, I should go murder a person. Yeah. I should go murder my kid. Right. I'm like, bud, come on. Like just, just drink, drink a little more water. Maybe (laughs) you need to hydrate, sir. And so Abraham just builds an altar in this random spot. And then apparently ties Isaac up puts him on top of whatever this altar is. I don't, I don't even know. I'm like, is this just a bunch of rocks? Like, cause I'm sorry, if you're 130, you can't lift boulders. That's fairly obvious to me. And so, yeah, Abraham's about to kill his kid with a knife. With a knife. Anyway, God, what is wrong with you, dude? And so it says like, just as, just as Abraham is about to do this. So the angel of the Lord called to Abraham from heaven, which I'm like, how would you know that he's in heaven? Yeah. Like you were clearly hearing things, my friend. Yeah. <laughs> and said, Abraham, Abraham. And again, Abraham's like, here I am. And the angel goes, do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him. For now, I know that you fear God. And seeing you have not withheld your son, your only son, which is a fucking lie because he had two sons. Yeah. This is Ishmael <laughs> from me. erasure. It is. But it's like, oh my gosh, yeah. maybe this is why evangelicals are so racist. And so God's like, yeah, you did it. You passed the test. I'm like, okay, but what about the other person that you traumatized? And again, like, I think that this really comes back to this idea of love in evangelicalism. Like it necessarily includes harm. Like it has to include harm to get people to do the thing that you need them to do. Right. Or to get people to do the thing that you've decided God needs them to do. Right. So there's like this whole story, like Isaac doesn't speak apparently. I'm like, you think there'd be some kind of like, protest again that's just kind of like we're gonna go right over that omitted that part again whoever chose these details they they were doing it wrong and abraham then apparently looks up and there's a ram caught in a thicket by his horns which 
Sounds fake, but we'll just leave that. Like that. Does this happen often? Like, is that how rams work? Rams just starving. Rams just starving to death in the middle of the desert because, like, there was a bramble. Yeah. Okay. And so it says Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. Which, wow, bud. As long as I get to kill something today, I'm happy. Food, like food. I mean, Abraham was rich. Like he, he had slaves and he had massive flocks and like he had, he had a whole entourage, which I am sure is part of why he was so fucking dramatic. But for most people, like you just, you just, you just kill an animal and don't eat it. Like that's, that's not, that's not the move. Yeah. That's not the move. No. (laughs) Abraham's one of those people that was probably like doing intermittent fasting because it was cool. Probably like he didn't actually, he didn't actually need the food. He was set with food. He was big into minimalism. Like I just have too many things. They don't make me happy. Oh gosh. Right. He kind of does. He basically says that like when that King apparently like gives him all this cash. It's like, get the fuck out. Yeah. Whatever. That's a different story. Maybe we'll cover that someday. And it says, so Abraham called the name of that place. The Lord will provide like really, really Yeah. like the Lord got you into this mess in the first place. So it's like, the Lord's going to pull the wool over your eyes. Like we could call it that. Once again, the Lord solving the problem he created. Right. Exactly. Like, wow, you did that. Good job, buddy. Good Good job. job. You kept someone from killing someone by offering a ram. Good. You prevented a murder that you were trying to cause. So then there's like this hard left turn and there's like this beautiful blessing that the angel of the Lord gives after the sacrifice thing shit is done. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I just, I, this is, it's so, my brain doesn't work this way, right? Like going from this like really intense trauma to this like really beautiful blessing of like, I will surely bless you and I will multiply your offspring as the stars of the heavens and the sand on the seashore and in your offspring. So all the nations of the earth be blessed because you obeyed my voice. And I'm like, this is really like, these are like some, these are like really big things that are being given to Abraham. And, 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 you know, in, in that context, like these are massive blessings. Yes. And, and this is very clearly tied to because you, because you did withheld your son your only son, I will bless you. Like it is a very conditional blessing. Like, right. Had you not, had you not tried to kill your son, you wouldn't get it. You wouldn't get it. Right. So, and that's where, and we'll talk about this a little bit, but you know, there's, there's a lot of movements amongst Christians and, and also people of the Jewish faith to try to soften this or like, Mm -hmm. or, or, interpret it in maybe a different way than how it's traditionally been interpreted. And I can commend that. Yeah, but absolutely. It's also like from the text, it's real clear that like you're being blessed because you tried to sacrifice your son. Like there's not really there's there's a way yeah, around it's, that. Uh, yeah, at least at least in the way that it was translated, like there's no there's there's no gray area there. It's like you decided to traumatize someone for the rest of their life and mm-hmm. like be horrifically abusive. And God is going to reward you and not just you, but like generations and generations and generations after you. Yeah. And I, I can, I can imagine Isaac sitting there. Like <sighs> you're like, what the fuck dude? Like, and feeling completely expendable. Uh-huh. Like, yeah. You know, you did, you did this as a magic ritual to convince the gods of your greatness. Like that's what this was. And like, yeah, I just, I, 
like Abraham and Isaac have a fucked up relationship later in the scriptures. Not surprising, you know, <laughs> like, and Isaac has crappy relationships with his kids. Oh yeah. Like, he doesn't, he doesn't dramatize those boys at all. Not surprising. So yeah. I mean, this, this story lands a lot of ways. It does. And, you know, again, as a, as a kid being taught this in evangelicalism, you know, evangelicals can punt right to Jesus. Right. You know, they're like, oh, the ram represents Jesus. And now we don't have, God doesn't have to sacrifice us. And, but still it's like, like God asks parents to sacrifice their children. Like, Mm -hmm. Like there was this reassurance, like God wouldn't ask your parents to do that again. He's God provided did, a God perfect did it. Sac- yeah, but uh, yeah, God did it. Like, ugh. and and also, I heard a story, and you know, and again, this is me like reaching back into my memory. I don't know if this was like a friend of a friend, or if I even knew the mm. person's name that did this, but I, I have heard of evangelical men. Oh, I've heard this too. I don't know taking, if it's true or not. Taking but... their children to hilltops and reading this story. Right. Saying like basically in so many words, God is more important than you. And if God asked me to do this, I would. Right. That's child abuse. Oh, um, absolutely. And and I don't think that Jewish people do that either. <laughs> like I, think I, I n- I've never heard a of a uniquely Christian yeah. thing. <laughs> and so yeah, it just there is this continual re-traumatizing of That's children. With this story. With this story. Obviously, no one's traumatized more than Isaac. But right, exactly. But still, this idea being that God wants everything from you. God wants you to be able to sacrifice anything and everything. Yeah, and yeah. to give up your empathy, to give up your parental instincts, right. to right. sacrifice the things that make you a decent human. Quite mm-hmm. honestly, mm-hmm. for Him. Mm-hmm. And again, you we can play that out. And I think that even connects to what we were talking about earlier with, you know, evangelicals now starting to take away the teachings of Jesus. Like, you know, God wants us to win. Right. God wants us to win. And God, you know, wants us to sacrifice everything, including our human capacity to care for others. Mm-hmm. So we're going to do that to win. Yeah. Um, yeah. And call it good. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I think there's just a lot of, there's just a lot in the story that is, yeah, just fucked up. Yeah. It's really, it's really dark. Like it's God, why you gotta be like that? <laughs> like, I know, I know that like the ancient Near East was a pretty rough place to survive, but yeah. this is, this is like, this is unnecessary. <laughs> yeah. And I've heard, you know, I spent a little bit of time in some Jewish sources and I've spent some time in some more progressive Christian circles. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there is, you know, there is an interpretation of this that is, you know, this is God trying to teach Abraham that human sacrifice isn't necessary, you know, like, and I've heard similar sermons, actually, you know, so I've heard sermons that be like, God asked Abraham to do this and Abraham says okay because that's like what God's asked you to do and so God is trying to teach Abraham that he is a different kind of God and that's that's nice but that's not in the text you know it's really clear that God's like yep good job Abraham 
you pass mm-hmm. the test. So Abraham saying no, in that sense, Abraham saying no would have been passing the test yeah. just as much. So you yeah. know, while I could get behind that interpretation as something that's like, yeah, that's a lot less problematic, you know, that right. God never wanted a human sacrifice and God was teaching Abraham that I'm not a kind of God that desires that kind of thing. But there, I feel like there are better ways to do that. That's not how you teach lessons. No. Like <laughs> Again, if you're the creator of humans, you should know how we work. Right. Yeah. I'm like, don't you have the instruction manual? Yeah. Come on, but dude. It's not been written yet. The Bible That's, isn't around uh, this time. Uh, yeah. You know what? You know what really strikes me as you were as you were talking about that was this idea of like God is asking you to do this thing. So it's like, you have this relationship with God as an individual, right? And because it's like the way that evangelicals take it is it's super hyper individualistic. Like it's me and God. Right. And, and, and like that example that you gave of like parents taking their kids to like this, like a mountain and like reading them this passage and saying, if God tells me to kill you, then I will. I'm really, I'm really, really fascinated with that. Right. Because it's like my, my relationship with God trumps like my relationship with you. It also trumps your relationship with God. Like your relationship with God is irrelevant because if God tells me to harm you, it doesn't matter, right? Yeah. Like God's not on your team. And I think what's so fascinating about this framing in evangelicalism right now is I think that it very much ties into these abortion bans and like, mm-hmm. I'm going to harm a child to teach you a lesson. And that's appropriate. It is appropriate to traumatize a child because you need to learn a thing. Yeah. And that's, that is that I've never made that connection before, but that is really wild to me. But that's that that is their ethical framework. If I guess they don't really have an ethical framework, but like <laughs> it seems like this is something that they could come back to and say, like, look, this is like this is what God expects of us, right? Yeah. yeah. God expects us to do things that don't make sense in right. order to teach lessons. Yes, exactly. And and to teach like us lessons at the expense of small people. <laughs> yeah. Like, like, yeah, and I, I go back to my friend that was honest when we, you know, since we're on the topic of abortion, and you know, she said that she wasn't interested in reducing the number of abortions; she was mm. interested in making it illegal. Right. Like, so knowing full well that making it illegal will do nothing. Right. And in fact, might increase abortions and increase harm and in, you know, negative repercussions, complications, all those, all the things that come with illegal abortion. I'm fine with that as long as I'm doing the right thing, mm-hmm. what God has mm-hmm. asked me to do. And so, yeah, when you have that ethic, like there's, you're capable of any amount of cruelty and harm. Yeah. And that does not sit well with me. And, and the ways that, you know, Christians don't wrestle with that. They just go like, Oh, well, yep. Right. You know, this plus Joshua, right. like, Hey man, we can do anything we want. Right. Yeah. It's so, you know, and I've joked around with people on Twitter, like just trolling pro Paul people oh. that are like, you know, there was like a, a tweet a while ago that was like, you know, actually, no, I, I jokingly said that, you know, maybe Paul was the false teacher that Jesus warned about. That's amazing. <laughs> and I got a lot of responses. But most of the responses, you know, when they weren't like making fun of my appearance or the fact that I had pronouns in my bio, those really valid things. Yeah. So, but most of them, like, well, Jesus revealed himself to Paul. That makes Paul valid, was basically the argument. But, like, well, like I can just turn around and say, well, Jesus revealed himself to me and said, Paul's bullshit. Who are you going to yeah. believe? 
Like Jesus, Jesus revealed himself to Pontius Pilate and he still killed the dude. Yeah. Like what the fuck? Yeah. So, you know, but yeah, but there's that idea that going back to what you were saying, like what God reveals to me is what matters. Right. Yes. You know, other people don't matter. It doesn't matter what God revealed right. to you. It doesn't right. matter if God reveals something contradictory to you. Like, mm-hmm. There is no sense of community discernment. There's no sense of, mm, you know, that, such a good point. that, that we will figure this out together. Or we have a stake in right. this. Together. Like, no, this is me. Right. You know, and if yeah. God says that I should, you know, bulldoze a forest to God, God gave me the vision to bulldoze a forest, to make a subdivision. Who are mm-hmm. you to say I can't because. Um, yeah. God told me that I need to do this thing so that I can make this money so that I can expand the kingdom. Yep. Right. You can, you can take everything back. And this, this is what's really, really interesting. Why like religion is such a fascinating construct. And I think maybe all constructs can be used in this way, but in, in our time, right. Like in the United States in 2022, you can hide behind, like religion can be your defense for causing harm. Right. Some religions, like not really Islam, but like Christianity for sure is like that. That's that's like a valid reason to harm people. Mm -hmm. And also it is a defense when you are held accountable for the harm that you caused. Right. So it's like this, it's both like a weapon to harm people and a shield to like prove that being held accountable is like being held accountable for your actions, being held accountable for the harm that you cause like individually and culturally is inappropriate Yeah, because this is a religion. And that impacts our culture too. Oh, absolutely. Even people that aren't Christians, like because we are nominally a Christian culture. Right. Like being held accountable is like, Oh, like you can't do that. I didn't know at the time. Hi. Like, yeah, January sixth. Mm-hmm. Like we like, why are you why are you holding me accountable? Like just just number of people that were like, why are you arresting me? <laughs> yeah, like well, I didn't do anything wrong. Like, right. I didn't right. know that was illegal. Right. Right. If I don't know that it's illegal, you can't hold me accountable for it. Mm-hmm. Or this wouldn't have been a crime if we won. Oh my god. So you know, I think it actually I like yeah, brandishing like weapons in the Capitol. I think that would still be a federal crime, buddy. <laughs> like. Yeah. Well, it goes far beyond like white evangelicalism culturally, this idea that like people are mortified at being it being held individually responsible and like collective responsibility as a concept does not exist mm-hmm. in this country, right? And I think that you see that every time somebody tries to like have a conversation about reparations. This is like nobody's responsible for that because everybody who did the thing is dead. And so, yeah, I mean, I think that it, it it resonates in so many different ways. It hardly is contained to white evangelicals. And it, I mean, it would be bad enough if it was just that particular subculture lifestyle choice, <laughs> but it's not, that's not, cause that's not how cultures work. And you could even make the case that, you know, the, the tail is wagging the dog now where, you know, the, the cultural ideas are influencing the theology and the theology is influencing the cultural ideas. It right. goes back and forth and it, it continues to create this, you know, flywheel. And, and the problem is, is harm continues to be done. Like you mm-hmm. confront any baby boomer about the financial system, climate change, all these, all these things that like their generation, you know, benefited from greatly. And right. then they trash the place like college students in a hotel room. 
Right. And when I say they, I mean, just collectively as a generation, I don't know that there was any individual like, yeah, like yeah. Conspiracy theory collectively, though, it, but just collectively, uh-huh. you all voted for Ronald Reagan and went all in on that bullshit. And now the bill is due. Mm-hmm. Like the hotel has called the Cosmic Hotel of Consequences. And it says, <laughs> like, you wrecked the room. Now you need to pay for it. Right. And they're like, we didn't know. Like, we didn't do anything wrong. Right, right. How dare, how dare you? How dare you? Yeah. That, try to that, hold that, me that's, responsible. That's the, and, and even amongst, like, people that I know that are generally well-reasoned people, like, even in a, like, in, even in a light way, trying to critique, you know, the systems that they created. It's this, mm-hmm. like, it is, the, how dare you? Right. You ungrateful millennial. Like, yeah. Look, we gave you iPhones. I would also like a place to live, though. Yeah. <laughs> An iPhone will work if I'm homeless, but. Right. <laughs> like, I'm just using Dr. Google because I can't afford to go there because you didn't you didn't think that I needed that. Yeah. And so it's like I, I, I would rather not have an iPhone and, you know, like we all get taken care of. Yeah, um, seriously. And like, so I will, I'll give, I'll give up a whole bunch of tech. You know, like it, it feels very Christian to me to be like, Hey, how about none of us be billionaires and we're all right. fed. And, but you know, they, they just don't, they don't go for that. And, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and I do think, and, and you can't directly t- tie it to this binding of Isaac, but that idea that when I have a vision, it doesn't matter who it harms. Yep. When I yep. have an idea, you know, yep. Absolutely. Everyone else's collateral damage. Uh-huh. And, you know, and you can see that. Church in, planting. In Mark Driscoll. Most church planters I know. Like, I have a vision for this city. Yeah. Like, you don't fucking know this city. You're a colonizer. You should get the hell out. And you don't care. And you don't care about the city, right? You care about yourself. You want to be the cool pastor, right? You don't care about the city. Your vision is, how do I get rich and famous? And, and how many fucking douchebags with a beard. Like I'm just going to drag church planners right now. I I know, I know a couple church planners that are great people, but most of them are assholes that Mm -hmm. just come in. Like they set up in some storefront, you know, in some depressed area. And they're like, you know, like next to another church, you know, and they're like, and there are a lot of churches, like, especially in the, in the South, there are, there are counties where if every human being went to church, the churches would be half full. There are that many. Oh, wow. You know, and wow. But they'll just keep cannibalizing from all these other congregations with their fresh vision of, you know, their fog machine or whatever. And (laughs) it's anthrax. Get it right. (laughs) I'm sorry. I totally hijacked what you were saying. I'm so sorry. No, that was that was another thing that I thought about bringing up for this week in evangelicalism. But just folks just google anthrax fog machine and you'll be in for a treat because <laughs> people are like wait why is there a fog machine in a church i'm like oh sweetie you don't understand <laughs> yeah i just i it's 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 all it's for most of them it's ego or they didn't yes. work in a traditional church you know because mm-hmm. you know because mm-hmm. they had they were too strong a personality i'm using huge air quotes you know you were an asshole you were an right. asshole and you couldn't right. be controlled. And so you did your own thing and great. You did good for you. 
you found something mm-hmm. that worked. I, I think most, this comes most back of to them this, like, remorselessly hurt people. I was, I yes. was in, I was in, I've been involved in church plants. I've known enough people in church plants and the number of phone calls I have had with former staff members of these lead and founding pastors where they're yeah. like, they treated us like shit. They yep. used us up. And yep. now we're emotionally spent and they're continuing to get glory and credit, you know, and that's, that's again, what God tells you trumps right. decency, humanity, uh-huh. empathy, uh-huh. everything. Absolutely. And like the com, I remember like the comment that you made, I think it might've even been the last episode, but at some point you made a comment about, cause I was talking about how Christianity is super syncretic and you were talking about like all these places that Christianity has like pulled its theology from. And one of the, one of the places you included was capitalism. Mm-hmm. Right. And I yeah. think that like, this is the church planning thing, like ties right back into that. Right. Church planners are just entrepreneurs mm-hmm. with a Bible. Right. And, yeah. and like, it's, it's the same model. Like that's what they're using. That's what they're going after. And it's not about in venture capitalism. It doesn't matter who you, who you harm, right? Mm-hmm. What matters is that you look like, you know, your shit that you look like you're cool mm-hmm. essentially. And it's exactly the same in church planting in the overwhelming majority of cases, all of the cases I know of personally, but also knowing like the model, mm-hmm. there are certain denominations used for church planting. It's like, it is very it's capitalism, which again, like sees people as labor. Yeah. You are being brought on to serve my vision. Yes. And me. Mm-hmm. And you're an expendable resource. The yeah. second you aren't producing, you're done. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's slaver theology. I know yeah. we say that like every episode, but yeah. it is. But, but it is like, <laughs> it is one of those things. Like once you see it, like you just, you, you see it everywhere and unsee it because it, uh-huh. it permeates everything. It's like seeing the matrix. Like this is America's matrix is slaver theology. Yes, like that's the is. code. And I I watched that movie founder with it's Michael Keaton. It's about Ray Kroc, the founder of McDonald's. I don't know this movie. Oh. I don't know the story. I mean, if you like Michael Keaton, it's okay. him at his finest. Um, and he, okay. but Ray Kroc was an asshole, total capitalist oh. asshole and stole an idea got mm, powerful enough to get away with it essentially yeah. and yep. you know opened a his mcdonald's like across the street from the original mcdonald's and drove it out of business i mean that kind of like douchebaggery mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. i remember watching it thinking like this is church planting like yeah. i remember i remember just thinking like this this dude you change a couple words, you change mm-hmm. a couple of phrases, put a couple of Jesuses in there. And like, this is every, not every, I want to be clear. Right. I'm actually thinking of two people in particular <laughs> that will never listen to this podcast, but like they're Valid. dear people that I love that are wonderful that have planted churches. Most church planners I know are Ray Kroc mm-hmm. or Mark Driscoll. And then a lot of them, after they've been there for five or six years, they get bored. Like, well, and they just I gotta, leave. I go, and I'm going to leave. I'm going to do it again. You know, I got another vision now. You know? <clears throat> yeah. No, you just, you can't stand people. <laughs> like, right. Yeah. And the drama that comes with you, actually having a community. You don't like, yeah, you don't like people. Right. And I, I think that that 
I mean, I understand that like things are obviously like very, very tense right now, but I think that there is still a massive difference in the way that you choose to live your life. If your ethical framework is like, even people who suck deserve to have a place to like live, (laughs) you know, like even people who are lazy, whatever the fuck that means, like deserve to be able to get healthcare because hello, like richest empire in the history of people. Like this is, this isn't a conversation that we're having. I'm sorry. But yeah, it's like people are just, people are commodities. They're expendable. Yep. Like I will use you up as an asset, but as soon as you're a liability, it's like, well, see ya. And you know, again, like this is how Isaac was seen by Abraham. Yes. You are an asset to gain power. And uh, in a patriarchal society, <laughs> unless you are the man at the top, you are an asset right. for a liability. Yes. I mean, that's, yes. that is yes. that is the essence of patriarchy. I think Abraham is not, he's exhibiting the cultural values of his time. Like, he's icky, but uh, they were all kind of icky. Mm-hmm. And, and in that way, God AKA. is not actually all that much different <laughs> yeah. than the God's around yeah you know and that is yeah when it's like okay yeah you provided a ram great but you still created trauma and harm Mm -hmm. and later on you asked the israelites to murder a whole nation for similar reasons to dedicate the dead children right yeah yeah exactly because you're proving your your loyalty yeah yeah, you're going to prove your loyalty to me by killing and destroying property. And, you know, whether that's living property or material property, right? you know, you have to kill that. You have to destroy that for me and mm-hmm. to prove that you and, and if you don't prove your love to me, then mm-hmm. you will be punished. And that's shitty parenting. Like, yeah, already. Like, and yeah, that's shitty being a human generally. And it, we just, there has to come a time where we realize as a culture and a society that that is, realize that for what it is and move past it and say, you know, you've got, you know, nice story, Joshua, Binding of Isaac, lovely stories, like 300, (laughs) you know, great, good job. (laughs) Interesting conversation pieces. Right. But I will not live my life by them. And, 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 and not even like living, like, I'm not even going to condone mm-hmm. this being in this text and being used this way. Right. Like, because yeah. evangelicals do use like the Hebrew Bible in very different ways than it is meant to be used. I think Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, in very different ways than the people who they stole it from use it much more harmful ways. Right. It's, it's yeah. weaponized, I think by white evangelicals and I guess it can be weaponized by anybody, but yeah, that's, that's how they choose to use it. And like, you can't hold me accountable because God, God told me to do this. Yeah. The Jewish sources, I, as a podcaster, I'm trying to get better about not jumping straight to the Jewish sources. Cause there's a lot of things I don't understand there. Uh, so yeah, I don't want to appropriate ideas and be like, "Hey, check out totally the, check out what the Jews believe." Um, <laughs> right. So I want to be. But it's just, if, but it's so much better than like what it is so much better. Believe, like, so it it's really, hard to not go there. Like, but I want to be. I want to be respectful and also understand that the Jewish perspective. There's a multiplicity of perspectives there, but they also wrestle yeah. with this too. And the sources I was reading were pretty unflinching in naming the problems and saying like, Mm. yep, this is what God asked Abraham to do. 
Yeah. There's not any way around it. But how do we how do we see that today? I think some of them were saying, like, even viewing the binding of Isaac as a metaphor for teaching their kids to be Jewish. You know, this is like post-Holocaust kind of Jewish theology. Interesting. Like, okay. Understanding like it would be easier for us to raise our children as not Jewish. Yeah. You know, we would not be consigning them mm-hmm. to potential death right. and potential persecution. But we choose to do that because, you know, maintaining our culture and maintaining these commands of God is more important than saving yeah. our children from potential persecution or whatever. And yeah. and that that's still painful to hear. And right. that's painful to ingest and understand. And again, I'm not a Jewish person. So I don't right. I'm right. I am repeating what I have heard. But to me, that's like, okay, understanding it from that way, that is is an interesting take. And I feel like that, you know, can inform so much of the story and the experience of reading this mm-hmm. and understanding the things you pass on to your kids and the potential trauma you pass on to your kids. But again, that's reading it metaphorically and, right. and reading it in a way that contextualizes it into the world we live in today. Right. And evangelicals tend to not do that. It's this wooden flat, you know, yeah. God asked Abraham to kill his son. So if God asked me to do something morally questionable, it's okay. Like yeah. this really weird flat yeah. reading of it that, you know, modern Jewish scholars, at least the ones that I've read, don't do. I feel like there's a way you can honor the fact that this is trauma mm-hmm. and you're not erasing it. I don't think it's fair to look at a text like this and be like, we're just misreading it. Isaac wasn't traumatized. He was happy. Right. To do that. Like, yeah. I feel like there's a progressive Christianity tends to do that, tends to like mm-hmm. file all the edges off the Bible and be like, it's totally gay affirming all the way through. And it's totally just happy. And God was super progressive and not bloodthirsty. You know, like, no, like, I feel like there are strains in the Jewish tradition that are able to balance that doing justice to like, this is what it says. Right. Like, That's awful. Here's what we do with it now. Yeah. And able to balance that tension much better, I think, than even progressive Christians do mm-hmm. today. Um, mm-hmm. And certainly evangelicals. Well, I don't know. Do you think that... <laughs> Do you think that this story should stay in the Bible? Not that we get to like choose what happens to like the Hebrew Bible. Do you think evangelicals should continue to have access to this story? I think evangelicals generally should not have access to most of the Old Testament. (laughs) You know, or maybe like prove that you have mastery over the New Testament or maybe just the Gospels. Like, you know, I I do think. Why don't you stick with your own stuff? Yeah, stick with your own stuff. And like we could treat the you know, the Torah or the, you know, the Old Testament as like, as like the Apocrypha. Like this is like the the Silmarillion, if you will, to your Mm. Lord of the Rings. Yep. Um, Yep. Not pretend like you understand it better than the people that wrote it. Oh my gosh. And, and I even say that as a white person, that's not Jewish. I try to go to those sources, but I'm always trying to be conscious of not appropriating or reading something incorrectly. So if we have Jewish listeners or if you would like some emotional and intellectual labor, you can email us, tell us that we fucked up. Yeah. You don't even have to explain it. Just be like, Hey, you don't have to, you You got this wrong. You fucked this up. Don't say that again. Like, and I'll be fine with that. Like, right. (laughs) Yeah. We're cool. Like you don't have to do that much labor or even like a thumbs up. Yeah. You actually got that one. Right. I'm not asking for a lot of labor, but (laughs) You know, I, but I think that we do want to be called out if we're causing harm by like the way that we are seeing something that we do not fully 
grasp, understand, conceptualize, right? And 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 I think that in in trying to be respectful of of the Jewish faith and Jewish people, like yeah, if we're causing harm, then if it's not too much trouble, we would like to know so that we don't continue to harm people. Yeah, and and as as the white man here. I understand there's a long history of white people trying to be respectful and <laughs> accidentally being harmful. Oops. I was trying to do the right thing, I swear. <laughs> the right thing. But we did a racism again. So don't want to keep doing that. Anything else you want to add to this? I mean, I'm I'm glad that like even even the overwhelming majority of evangelicals are better parents than Abraham was. Fuck that, dude. Yeah. He's a bad dad. Like, wow. Yeah. But you got some issues. That's rough. And yeah. I'm like, I don't think that it's, I, it's like, it, this is not an appropriate story to tell children. Like I was told this story as a child mm-hmm. and like, you know, I I've said this before, but like I, I, we had this children's Bible and I'm just straight would skip stories because they were not, I'm like, this is not something that a three-year-old needs to hear about. Mm-hmm. Like, this isn't okay. And I think that, I think like, frankly, I think that this was one of the stories that as a kid, I was like, Hmm setting aside the whole like okay so like my parents are gonna murder me if god tells them to sweet um where i was kind of like i don't i don't think that kids need the whole bible right mm-hmm. like from infancy <laughs> like the way that it was given to me right because there were definitely like i i've said this a million times we read through the bible every year but i i remember being like plopped on my parents bed as a toddler and reading about these genocides in the old, like in the old Testament. And, and, and there's like really horrifying stories in there of, you know, again, like genocide and, and conquest and colonization. Yeah. So, you know, I think that we can all, we can can all achieve being a better parent than Abraham was. Yeah. The the bar is low. The bar is low. But yeah, don't read this to your kids, please. Yeah. That'd be definitely a PSA. Just. Yeah. Public service announcement. Don't uh-huh. give most of the Bible to your children. I uh, the little ratings that they put on top of stuff, like this is rated whatever because of like sex or violence or smoking or whatever. I'm like, you need you fucking need to include like racism in that list. You need to include misogyny, you need to include child abuse, like violence against include, children. Yeah, gaslighting. Like there are many things that you are leaving out of here that are also forms of violence mm-hmm. that cause real measurable harm why don't we address that and and treat it for what it, like treat it as it is right as a thing that causes harm instead of just being like oh you know the word of god something the bible is god breathed he wrote it down yeah he wrote it down for us so yeah. it's good for everyone always himself yeah, yeah. not a kid nothing <laughs> if my kids make it to adulthood having never heard this story I think that's probably okay. Yeah. Probably a net good for them. <laughs> yes. And for God too. Like frankly. They love God, the idea of God in some ways. Like, oh God, so, God is love and God, you know, like Yeah. So you don't want to make him an asshole to your kids. Like, like that's not cool. Much about the God I grew up with. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yeah, no. And then and then when they're adults, if they decide to like actually read the Bible, they're gonna be like, wow, dad was like, he really, he really pulled some punches on that. Yeah. <laughs> that God fellow. My soon-to-be pagan daughter was, <laughs> you know, I was telling her, like, yeah, daddy really didn't have a choice in what religion he had. You know, daddy was you know, mm-hmm. kind of had to be a Christian. She's like, well, that sucks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
It does. Sucks for you, Dad. <laughs> yeah, it did. That's why I'm not religious huh. now. <laughs> she is. I think she's concerned about that more than anything. Like she, she's like, what? So you're not a religion, like you know, because she's she's an eight year old. So she's like trying to categorize right. everybody. Right. You yeah. Know, grandma's a Christian. You know, the neighbors across the street are this. You know, she has a Jewish friend and a Muslim friend and Christian friends. Um, and she goes around saying she's the pagan, you know, in the friend group In the friend group. And so she's like, so dad, what are you? It's like, dad, it's not really a religion. And like, yeah, so I think that that one kind of stumps her. Oh, yeah. So I might just just be a pagan. Just to say I'm sure. something, I guess, just, uh, you know, on I the weekends, on the weekends, <laughs> yeah. a weekend pagan, <laughs> a weekend, you know, during the eight saw various pagan holidays, <laughs> you know, uh, like the opposite of like a Easter's and Lily's Christian, you know, like a right. yep. you know, Easter yep. and Easter and uh, Christmas Christian. I'll be a, I'll be a Samhain and a Yule pagan. I'm into this. I'm into this. Yeah, I'm fine with that. So thanks everybody for, for listening to this yeah. production of going Bobby, you're drunk. Uh, we, you know, very much appreciate you as an audience, you know, and where this podcast has, how far it has come and we look forward we look forward to what this podcast is going to do in the next year the rest of the world i'm not so sure about but i am very excited about this podcast and and where it's going to go and this audience you know we've got some fun things planned and so yeah very excited to see where it goes if you want to follow us on the twitters you can do so at go home bible and if you uh, want to follow us on Instagram, you can do the same address. We do have an email, gohomebible at gmail.com. If you want to send us a nice note. something up. Or yeah, if we're if you're a Jewish <laughs> listener, it's like, man, you guys really fucked this one up. Like, that's, I'm okay with this. You know, we, I don't mind being drug if it's for a good cause. So anything you want to add, Tori? Mm, I don't think so. Yeah. I'm like, I feel like 2022 is really going to be our year. For the podcast, not yeah. the other shit. Yeah. <laughs> I, I feel good about that. I can feel good feel about good being about like, that. this podcast will be fun in 2022. Even if it's kind of dark. Yeah. <laughs> Again. We hope to provide some levity to you and, you know, get you to laugh about the things you were taught as a kid and the things that are going on now. Because it's, uh, I think laughter is what's going to get us through. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For sure. Yep. I think so too. All right. Thanks, everybody. Have yeah, a good week. thank you. Bye. Bye. First Corinthians warned you about the women with a loud mouth, and this podcast is just that. Here at the Speaking in Church podcast, we talk all about the regular people and the things that regularly happen to them in the evangelical church. It's a podcast about change. It's a podcast about seeking moral high ground. And it's a podcast for people who are just trying to deconstruct on the safe side. You can listen wherever you get your podcast, And if you want to be a guest, yes, you, regular person, you can be a guest on the Speaking in Church podcast. If you want to come on, just let us know.